Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I have noticed a lot of churches with rainbow banners outside their buildings lately. They usually say something like, all are welcome, or something like that, of course, along with them. Like all are not welcome at other churches, I guess is what they're insinuating. Unfortunately, these these churches are not flying rainbow flags to celebrate God's promise to never destroy the earth with a flood again because of man's sin, right? It is a sign to others that they do not believe that sin will keep you from heaven. I, I looked up uh, progressive churches' beliefs the other day, uh, and and here's what I found. Here's here's from their very own website of a church that's that's fairly near me here in the Pacific Northwest, and it says our progressive beliefs. Number one, the Christian faith is founded on three primary calls we see through Jesus. All right, so here's three things that they 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 are grounded in that their faith is 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 foundational on. To love God, to love our neighbor, and to love ourselves. Now that sounds very good, right? I mean, just on on its surface, you think, okay, well, that you know, I, we're supposed to love, right? But let's look a little bit deeper into what they're talking about. Number two, they say the Christian faith is our way of being faithful to God. So the Christian faith is our way of being faithful to God, but it is not the only way. They say. Okay, so here's where we start to get into things. They say that Christianity is the truth for us, but it is not the only truth. All right, so absolute truth. What is absolute truth? And I guess it boils down to what is definition of truth or what is the definition of love? Because this is kind of like what we talked about not too long ago on this podcast, where liberals love to speak English, but not really speak English. In other words, they will say a word that you have a definition for, but when they say the exact same word, they don't mean what you think they mean. (laughs) And we're not talking about a Princess Bride reference here. (laughs) What this is saying is, is that love to them means something a little bit different than love to you. And, And truth to them means something a little bit different than truth for you. So in other words, Christianity, when they say Christianity is the truth for us, but is not, it's, it's, it is not the only truth, that means that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Absolute truth meaning something is true, right? It, there, there, that, that something has definition, that there is something that you can stand on, that there is a truth and we need to try to discover that. What they will say is even if there is absolute truth, and not all of them even say that there's absolute truth, many of them will say there isn't absolute truth. But if they say that there is absolute truth, well, we just, we're too stupid to know it or to find it and to absolutely know that it is absolute truth, right? And so, so they're saying that God is not the only way. They, they put it right right here in their belief system. They go on to say that this principle stems from the reality of the 21st century. Wait a minute. The reality of the 21st century? So that means that 
that we can that truth can change depending on what century we live in. It says we share our lives with people who are Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist. We experience these people as loving and caring by following their religious traditions. And we're not even going to get into like, you know, where the, <laughs> when it comes to some of the Muslim traditions and things like this, we're, they're supposed to kill people, but we won't go there, right? That's for another podcast. They say to deny that is to deny that God can only draw people with one way. That simply isn't borne out in our experience. Okay. So they're basing their beliefs off of experience. That can get you into real trouble. When you when you only have your experience to be able to relate to something and say that this is truth, I, I can I can maybe only interact with one dog in my entire life. And if that dog bites me, then my experience is that all dogs bite and that they're not to be trusted. That's my experience. But is that really true? Is that reality? Is that absolute truth? No, it's not. So we can't rely on experience to determine absolute truth, but that's what they're doing here. So when you say that 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 there isn't just one way, well, then you're denying what Jesus said himself. He said in John 14, 6, he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. You can read that entire passage, not just that scripture. You can read that entire passage and make sure that it's in context, because it is. He's saying that he's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to the Father, that the Father and him are are one. He wasn't just a man. He is God. Now, the power of the Christian faith, they say, to transfer lives does not require it to be exclusively true. See, there's their definition of truth again. Exclusively is born out of fear. So they say that if you think that there's absolute truth and that there's only one way to heaven, then it's because you fear other people. The fear that that there is only one train to God, and if you aren't on the right train, you're going to hell. This is what they say right on their own website. We believe there are many trains, and God welcomes them all. Okay? It doesn't matter if God said that there's only one train. We believe that there's a lot more trains, and and you should believe us because of our experience. All right, moving on. Number three, love of God involves all aspects of life, not just human life. Care of the earth and its ecosystems is an expression of Christian faith and stewardship. Okay, so this this gets into all kinds of stuff here. They say that this principle stems from our ever-widening understanding of climate change. So this is intertwined, obviously, into this kind of thing. And influence our carbon footprint has on the on the quality of the air, water, and soil, science and religious faith are friends. Each in, in inform the other. Wisdom and insight from both are essential for Christian faith. So, again, you have this experience. You have you have these things. You don't know what it, what uh, absolute truth is, or you claim that there is no such thing, and so you are. You, you are swept away with whatever wind of, of the culture uh, that comes about. So number four, love of neighbor means extending kindness and care. 
They say to those in our family and in our local global communities, further love of neighbor includes affirmation of the LBGTQ community. Now, they left a few of those letters out because there's other letters that, that, that are supposed to be in there. So are they not loving those people either? Uh, they say that, that uh, the, it includes the uh, love of, of uh, immigrants, people of other faith traditions. Uh, you'll, you'll see that word a lot, faith traditions, because they don't believe that, that this is really anything but a tradition that we're uh, following in order to be better people. And it says, and even those who are our enemies were to love them as well, which again, see, this is, this is what the enemy likes to do. He loves to take a truth and you say, oh, well, that's true. And then twist it or, or twist something else right beside it. Um, that's, that, that is, that's what you see oftentimes in here. Yes, we are supposed to love our enemies. That is in the Bible. That's, that's what God said. And, 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 I'm not, and it's not even saying that we aren't to love everyone. What, what, uh, what we're saying here is that you don't love their sin. You don't say, well, okay, you, you, uh, you can choose to do whatever in, in your own truth, and I'm going to love everything about you and what you're doing. That is not what love is about. Number five, love of self means engaging in spiritual disciplines. Okay. Worship, prayer, music, study of the Bible, and other literature feeds the mind, heart, and spirit. Love of self also includes giving time of rest, uh, re- uh, relaxation, uh, nourishing uh, fellowship, a healthy diet, physical exercise, and they go on. Love of self requires hu- uh, humility and humor. Uh, this is literally uh, making up your own God here. I mean, you are literally... Again, there's some truth to the fact that we need to, you know, exercise and we need to, you know, uh, feed the mind and all this kind of stuff. That that's that's not that's not what we're saying. We you shouldn't do here. But but what we've seen from this here is we're literally making up our own God if we follow this kind of thing because this is not what God says. This is not what what the Bible says. This is not what God says He is. But yet this is what they're they're saying that that they believe they're they have made up their own god now from the daily wire michael brown he says did you know that the nazis created a non-jewish aryan jesus <laughs> yeah <laughs> as uh, susanna uh, herschel explained in nazi uh, uh theologians uh they they redefined christianity as a germanic religion whose founder jesus was no jew but rather he fought violently to destroy Judaism, um, falling as a victim uh, to that struggle. Germans were now called upon to be the victors in Jesus' own struggle against the Jews, who were said to be seeking Germany's destruction. This is what they believed. Talk about rewriting the Bible, right? (laughs) And creating a savior in your own image. But, but that's what many of us also do. We make a God who is like us, affirming, agreeing, uh, you know, confirming, empowering, rather than acknowledge the one true God, the God who transforms us, the God to whom we give account, the God who often makes us uncomfortable. We create a God who is here to serve us rather than us being here to serve him. Let, let me let me give you a few striking examples 
uh, of which you've seen on TV. A boxer lays prone on the ground in a corner of the ring, surrounded by concerned doctors and, and trainers. On the other side of the ring, his triumphant opponent says to the interviewer, first, I want to give all the glory to my God and Savior Jesus Christ. Without him, I could not have done this. So, so in other words, without Jesus, I could not have landed such a, a vicious knockout punch, a punch that has endangered the health of my opponent. Is there something wrong with this picture? I, I'm, I'm also glad to hear an athlete acknowledge the Lord, and, and, and it's good to recognize that. You know, without him, we can do nothing, meaning, you know, nothing truly good. But thanking God for a, a, a violent victory? Really? Is, is this another way that we create a God in our own image? A God who helps us win our every preference and desire uh, and, and defeat those whom we see as our enemies? God is, is, is always with the winner. That is as long as we're the ones winning, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I recently saw a boxer praying with his team before a fight. He was, he was passionately crying out like, like someone who truly knew the Lord. He sounded like the real deal. And then he said, and the Lord, and Lord, help me to show no mercy tonight. Seriously? He asked the God of mercy to help him show no mercy to his opponents in the boxing ring. To paraphrase a boxer, uh, 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 to paraphrase the prayer, this boxer said, Merciful Savior, you who show me with mercy every day, you who said, Blessed are the merciful, help me to show no mercy in the ring. In your name, amen. Right? I mean, isn't that basically what he was saying? I mean, this boxer is known for his free use of expletives and things during the, during his interviews and, you know, just adding another curious touch to his, his open and, and, and unashamed proclamation of Jesus as Lord. But it, it looks like, like he has, has some growing to do here. I, I've seen this in, in other violent sports too, where an, an, an injury leaves an opponent, you know, kind of quivering on the mat and, you know, blood maybe gushing from his head or something while, while the, the victor, you know, points to the sky with gratitude and, and mouthing the words, thank you, Jesus. You know, and, and again, to paraphrase, you know, you were the one that who put the special power in my kick, right? I, I could not be so violent on my own. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Again, I, I, I'm, I'm all for athletes thanking God for his protection or, or saying that it's only by his grace they, they made it to where they are or acknowledging his help for being a successful athlete, let's say. And I, and I recognize that there are many boxers and, and mixed martial artists who, who are known to have strong Christian testimonies. Some of them, you know, sharing their stories about how, you know, their, their sport got them out of a life of crime, let's say. For them, while it is a, a tough sport, a combat sport, it is also a sport of honor and, and of discipline and hard work, and, and they they wish no harm to their fellow combatants. But but does that mean that they should thank God for the skill to pulverize their opponents, leaving some of them you know brain damage for life, maybe even? Uh, let let this kind of of thinking uh, is is really is it's all too common here in America, even where the the 
the Lord exists to make us bigger and better. And, it's, and, and really, it's not even just America, to be honest with you. And we, we see uh, in many different parts of the world where uh, churches kind of preach this, this weird kind of uh, you know, religion uh, to empower us rather than to change us. This, this reminds me of an old friend of, of the family who used to give 10% of her gambling winnings to um, two of her favorite TV preachers, right? It, it, it was the Lord, she reasoned, who enabled her to, to beat the casinos. And, and so she owed him her tithe. Uh, I've heard of a Christian strip club owner who was a regular at, at a local gospel church, uh, giving from you know his earnings to support the ministry. Uh, I'm familiar with a with, with a Christian abortion doctor in North Carolina who tithed out of her, her income to her local church, and in this case, the doctor actually believed she was doing God's will. I'm not sure even the strip club owner is quite that deceived, but. But, but I saw another boxer give an interview after his victory, and, and he too was quick to glorify the Lord before he said anything else. And, and he then proceeded to rail on about how other champions in his division, uh, you know, saying, saying he, he was the only self-made man among them. I mean, is, is, is there something that I, that's escaping me here? I mean, it, it, was it God or was it? himself making, you know, he's a self-made man. For some, God is the implicit spiritual head of a political party, maybe even. For others, he is the one who who backs a particular denomination or a Christian branch, uh, also frowning on on those other groups that are not so beloved, you know, <laughs> or maybe not so faithful as we are. Some believe the Lord is the one who is obligated to get out uh, of trouble and you know no, no matter how we got into trouble he's he's the one he's our escape route our escape hatch after all it's isn't that what the deity is supposed to do i mean they're just supposed to be there when we need them right isn't his primary function to answer our prayers and to give us what we want kind of a even if it's a get out of jail card this is what happens when we create a God in our own, own image, uh, protecting um, ourselves with this, this uh, force field, so to speak, and projecting on, on him our own proclivities and passions. It, it is easy, easier to do that than to, than, than to realize who he really is. I, 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 even my, my small daughters, they, they, when they pray uh, every night, oftentimes it is, you know, Hey Lord, I want this, or, you know, please give me that or help me do this or something. It's, it's not that we shouldn't ask him for things, but that's what he becomes almost exclusively. Sometimes we would be wise then to get on our knees really and take out our Bibles and pray, Lord God, who created the universe, show me who you really are. No other gods are worthy of worship. No other gods are really gods at all. Only you are God. May he give us really the eyes to see that. Because when we don't, when, when, when we create our own God, we are no longer looking at the true one. You see, when, when, when we make our own 
golden calf, <laughs> so to speak, then we're looking at that. We're not looking at the real God. We stop growing in our relationship with Jesus, but, and we start to stagnate. Because if we're really developing our relationship with Christ, then we're not going to stagnate. He's going to change us. But when we're looking at other things like our own made-up God, then that's then then we then we we don't want to then go any further with that relationship. Greg Morris, a staff writer for DesiringGod.org, uh, said this. He says it was a rousing mid-sermon rebuke, <laughs> the kind to make you sit up in your pew. Quote: Jesus being made perfect. The preacher continued became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And this Jesus was, of course, designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The congregation doesn't hide puzzled expressions very well. <laughs> and he pauses. Melchizedek who? <laughs> Their sleepy faces wondered. The order of Melchizedek, the, the, the king of Salem, the, the king of righteousness, priest of the Most High who blessed Abram, in, in whose line the, the Messiah will serve as priest forever. Maybe if he said the order of the Phoenix, some might be, be might have more, you know, uh, recollected things better. But Melchizedek, that, that garnered little familiarity. At this, he departs from his man, manuscript and he walks around the pulpit and looks at them uh, in the eye. And he says, you know, about, about this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing for through by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk not solid food. That's, of course, Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. You see, these grown men and women, Christians for some uh, time now, started off well uh, in Hebrews 10, and yet still needed doctrinal, doctrinal milk and, and, and not solid food. Although by now they should have been sharp on how the, the, the Christian should read the Old Testament and, 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 their, and their dull ears, actually even when we say dull ears, it's literally translated into sluggish. And these, these things have made them uh, just perpetual students taking the same courses over and over. The, the author of Hebrews expected them to uncover a messianic treasure and, and pointing uh, to, the, to, to Jesus in, in, the, in the deeps of, of God's word instead of where they were, which is just simply treading water on the surface. You see, the the text in Hebrews five eleven through fourteen, um, well, they 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 vindicate for all time the careful study of God's God's word, a a healthy adherence to the whole counsel of God, a a glad obedience to the the fullness of its teachings, yet. How many small groups or Sunday schools or, you know, Bible studies around the Western world today know much of anything about Psalm 110 verse 4 and, and the, the priestly order of Melchizedek? 
I, and I'm not saying if you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a, a prop pop quiz on who he is right here on, on this podcast, but, uh, and just because you don't know who he is, I'm not saying that you're not a, a Christian that, that, it, that is only, you know, who, who can't handle meat, but these are things that we should study and we should know a little bit about some modern minds seem to enshrine ignorance of finer points of Christian thought and doctrine as a Christian virtue. Particulars of, of Christian dogma they, they see as only useful to fracture or puff up or, or make one you know, useless in the world. Um, seminaries, in their view, are better called you know, cemeteries, right? For, for higher education is where passion and love go to die or something like that. So in other words, as long as we're just doing the loving thing, right? That we're loving God, we're loving our neighbor, and we're loving ourselves. Well, that's all we need to do, right? That's the progressive church mantra. We don't need to dig into these, this thing called the Bible. And even if we do start to read a little bit about it, you know, you know if, if there's something that offends people, or there's something that doesn't seem right, well, we're going to find something that, that basically says that we don't have to do that. It's it's almost like they're lovers of first grade, right? Carried away by you know, the, by a fancied liberally a liberal charity, so to speak. They seem to think everyone, everybody is right and nobody is wrong, as J. C. Ryle puts it. Every clergyman is is sound and and none is unsound. Everybody is going to be saved and nobody is going to be lost. Uh, many of the progressive church don't even believe that there is a hell in the first place. They don't believe that that uh, that that you're going to hell if you if you sin. That that uh, it's our job to make earth the better place. That eventually no one will sin. Everybody will love everyone, and nobody will be sinning. Nobody will do any be doing anything wrong. There's going to be this utopia. And what it means that 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 God presides until salvation. Well. You know, that's, that's just, you're just reading things the wrong way. They, they see that, that there's, there's different shades of gray, that there's no such thing as only one true way. They, they, they love doctrinal milk as long as it's at a first grade level. They don't like the steak. They just simply stay and have no relationship or a growing one there, thereof. This virtue, this, this, this is something that, that is um, perpetrated over and over again within this type of church. The, the Christian teaching in these churches, um, it, it doesn't divide. And, 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 and in a real church, Christian teaching is going to divide. It's, it separates. It's, it, 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 a self-made religion from, from, from heaven is not one that's going to offend anyone. But you know what? The scripture even says that it's going to be a stumbling block to many. And Christians ought to be like the Bereans. And again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do a pop quiz here on, on what the Bereans were. But, but the Bereans were lovers of God's word. They, they were lovers of steak. I love a good steak. I love to break out the, the barbecue, the Traeger or whatever, and, and, and to put a, a big old steak on there. And, and, and I probably love it too much, judging by what my cholesterol came back as recently. 
But what what is true of the of the nobler Jew has been true for the the noble Christian throughout history. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. That's directly from Acts seventeen eleven. That's what the Bereans were. That's what we're supposed to be. We want to know how to grow in our relationship and get off of the milk. Many of you have heard of examples of of mothers who have breastfed their children, you know, late into their 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 uh, their years. I, I I saw a story not too long ago where there was somebody who who was still breastfeeding their their son, and he was he was five or, or older. That's that's what it's it, it it's it's almost like that when you see some of these progressive church type types that that are saying, well, you know, just, let's let's just lo- learn to love everyone and 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 not really dig into anything when it comes to the scripture, when it comes to truth, when it comes to absolute truth. But what about our unity? It it is precious, right? I mean, it, it's supposed to be good and pleasant. That's that's directly from Psalms 133 verse 1. A gift from above, not based on vague spiritualism or good vibes. <laughs> Real unity does not seek to discover how little can can be believed. No, we embrace and teach and love the whole counsel of God. Love for others is nourished by doctrinal meat, by scripture, by all scripture, without any kind of uh, embellishment. Our aim is to encourage a, a, a hearty adherence to the Bible, the, the fullness of its truth and the glory of its author. That's what we look at. And, and we may not agree on every point, and that's okay. Some distinctions will separate uh, you know, some of us from, from others in, in, in a particular fellowship, but that's okay. We're not going to find even a church that agrees with us 100% or we agree with it 100%. But even then, as the church, our, 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 our uh, unity is not based on the fact that we agree 100% on everything. It is there in order to, to know that, that we can disagree on certain issues and still agree on the relationship that we build and the spiritual maturity that we are to have as Christians. And you may agree with this. You may disagree with this. I would absolutely love to hear from you on it. And of course, you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.